today's title, and we on the next to the last part of our series on helping others to fulfill God's purposes. This is part seven, and we'll close it out next week in part eight. I want you to open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and we are going to be, I'm going to be in the King James and as well as the New American Standard, but you're going to be, depending upon if you, if you don't have a Bible, you're going to be in the King James, uh, because that's what all they have today. Uh, we'll have any version next week, but that's all that was downloaded. The title, Divine Revelation versus Knowing and Keeping God's Word. The subtitle, which we'll be focusing on, is Do You Know Your Purpose? Do You Know Your Purpose? Most people have heard this verse, the first part of the verse, and we've heard it a lot, and many messages have been taught on the first part of this version, this verse. Where there is no vision, finish it for me. Okay, the people perish, depending upon what version you have. We're not going to dwell on just that part. We're going to dwell on the whole thing. But let's unpack this first part in the whole verse. When, When God's talking about vision, he's talking about divine revelation. He's talking about a... Uh, you know, it says vision, dreams, uh, prophetic words. He's talking about something divine that's been shared with you. And when a person has a prophetic word, when they have a divine revelation through a dream or through a vision, then it changes things. We had a man of God that was on the rooftop waiting to eat and God let down a sheet, and that changed his whole uh, uh, thought pattern on the Gentiles. He had a vision. He had a dream. What does it mean to perish? And the, the New American Standard would not say that, but the King James says perish, but you have to know what perish is if you're going to uh, track with us today. That perishing is not really uh, dying. That perishing is that uh, you just loosen up. It means you let go. That means you expose yourself. That means that you uh, become uh, lawless, become undisciplined, uncontrolled. And one uh, definition is just run wild. So this verse, first part of it saying, where there is no divine revelation, where there is no vision, where there is no prophetic word, people just, just start losing their self-control. They start uh, becoming uh, uh, not restrained in their behavior. They just start running wild. 
So therefore, many messages have been taught on that, that you need a vision. If you don't have the vision, then you're going to be wandering around, not doing what God wants you to do. I want to point out the second part of this verse. Let's look at it. But happy is he who keeps the law. Happy is he who keeps the law. Now, I'm reading from the New American Standard, so um, the King James will say something different. It'll, it'll put it different ways, but it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. What does it mean to keep? To keep means to guard. It's like a, um, like a shepherd guarding his sheep. It's protecting. It's putting a hedge around something. It's actually retaining something. It's observing something. It's to mean to take heed. It's to really do what God says to do. Happy is that person. Happy means to be blessed is this person. So if we were to talk about the whole verse, we will say, without a prophetic word, without some divine uh, revelation, people tend to be uncontrolled. They, they tend to uh, stray away from what God wants them to do. But, Blessed is a person who will keep the law. And I, I like to say the word of God. And when God tells us that, it tells me that I don't have to uh, be running around trying to get a God to give a vision, give a prophetic word, to give a, uh, a dream to me for me to do what he has for me to do. I don't have to, and people do that. People do that. They, they, just want, they just want a word. Now, obviously, I'm not speaking against prophetic words or visions or dreams because it's of God. And obviously, we have a prophetic team. But there's a problem if you can't stay focused on what God has called you to do without that. Because we have... Everything we need here and with the Holy Spirit revealing to us what he means when he says what he says. Everything we need. It's icing on the cake when he will give you a vision or a prophetic word or a dream. Icing on the cake. Now let's give an example of that. Let's go into Exodus. Do you know your purpose? Or do you need a prophetic word? Do you need a dream from God? Do you need a uh, vision from God to know your purpose? What is your purpose in life? If you don't know your purpose, then those who are following you won't be able to follow because they don't know where you're going. People around you to assist you won't be able to assist because they don't know how to exist because they don't know what your purpose would be. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 18. Let's go there. Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, 
and said to him, Please let me go, that I may return to my brethren in Egypt and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Let's go um, just back a little bit and, and talk a little bit about what we're talking about here. We know that, we know that um, Moses had a burning bush experience. We know that. And we're going we're gonna to tell you all about that in just a minute. Uh, do you remember when Moses went up to the mountain? And he was there 40 days, 40 nights. Didn't eat, didn't drink anything. And God gave him the Ten Commandments. God gave him, you know, wrote it on stones. God got the stones. He wrote it on the stones front and back. He gave it to Moses. He said, Moses, what I want you to do is get up and go down because the people who you brought out of Egypt, your people, they are now going away from me. They are, they are worshiping a golden, molten calf. So Moses goes down. You know the story. He sees uh, them and he throws the, the tablets down. They break. And he talks to Aaron. Aaron? Aaron, what made you do this? What did the people do? Did they threaten to cut your throat? What did they do, Aaron, for that to happen? And you know what Aaron said. Aaron said, man, you know, they wanted, they, they didn't know where you were. They didn't know when you were coming back. In other words, the people, see, they started losing control because they didn't have a divine revelation because Moses had the revelation from God where to go, when to go and things like that. So they didn't know. But you, being that you are now in the future, you looking back, you know that Aaron, the whole people should have known what to do. They had the word from God, didn't they? They know they were not supposed to worship and bow down before anything, not make anything in the image of God. They knew that. But yet, they didn't have somebody there to tell them, hey, don't do that. This is what you do. And you have to have somebody strong to do that. Aaron was not as strong. So they said, look, you make us a, a calf, somebody, somebody we can worship, something we can worship, and you do it now. So he said, okay, take your earrings out of your, your, your you know, the, the women and the children, take your earrings out and give them to me. And they gave it to him. And Aaron made the molten calf. But he told Moses, they just gave me that ring. I threw it in the fire and out jumped the calf. You know. Now we know that it didn't happen that way. But that's an example of what happens when a people don't have a purpose, don't have a vision, don't understand it. They need somebody to be able to tell them, look, you already know what to do. You're not making anything. And you go and just do what you're supposed to be doing, and Moses will be back soon. And if he doesn't come back, we still know what to do. Need somebody strong to be able to do that. Are you strong enough to do what God asks you to do? Do you know the purpose that God has for your life, can those around you follow that purpose 
And if you have a family, can your children tell others, this is the purpose of this family. This is what my parents and, and all of us are doing. Can your mate say, this is the purpose, this is what we're doing. Now let's pick it up in verse 19. Then the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were you were seeking, who were seeking your life, are dead. So Moses took his wife, what was his wife's name? Zephorah, and he and his sons. He had two sons, and mounted them on a donkey, and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff. Of God in his hand. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, but I'm just asking them, throwing it out for you to meditate on during the week. Now, did Moses have a purpose? Did he know the purpose? Did he know what he was supposed to be doing? Had he been before God at the burning bush? You remember when I started verse 18? You know, I, I already told you that, that he had a burning bush experience. He'd already been before God. God said, take off your sandals. You know, you can't come up here without, you know, taking off. You're in holy ground. You, don't, you know all those things. Moses comes down. He asks his father-in-law, hey, I got to go back. Will you let me go back? He said, yes, go on back. He takes his wife, his sons. He's on the way now. Does he know the purpose? Does he know what he's supposed to do? He has a staff of God in his hand. He has God's authority. Does he know what he's supposed to be doing? Has he told Zephora what he's, she's supposed to be doing? Does she know what she's supposed to be doing? Do they know the story of Adam and Eve? Do they know what, what's been going on? Did Adam know his purpose? Do you know your purpose? Because if Adam doesn't know his purpose, then is Eve going to know hers? Do you know your purpose? Let's go a little further. We're going to go down to verse 24. Now it came about at the lodging place, so then they're on the way, Moses, Zephorah, and the two sons, and they, they lodge. The Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Whoa, that doesn't sound too good. God has already told Moses what he's going to do. He's already told him that he's going to deliver the people uh, out of Egypt. He's already told him about the staff. He already told him about, you know, um, Pharaoh and what he's going to do to the firstborn. He's already told him that. Why is God seeking to put him to death? Is it something that Moses knows that he hasn't shared or something that he's not up, up fulfilling in his purpose? What do you think? You think God is just doing something, be doing something? No. God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. He has a purpose for Moses. And a lot of times, even though he's given us something to do, he expects us to remember what he's already told us to do and do what he's already told us to do. Because that's part of the purpose. Verse 26. Verse 25. Then Zephorah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, you are 
indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he, he, a capital he, God, let him alone. At that time, she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Now, God let him alone when she circumcised her son. Is it something that Moses didn't do that he should have done before he started on the way to do what God told him to do? Is it something that's already written, something that's already, he's already, he already knows about? Isn't there a, wasn't there a covenant already? Didn't God say that circumcision is going to be a, a sign for the covenant? So, and if somebody's not circumcised, they have no part of this covenant. Now, Moses knows that. He's been taught that. He's been taught that he was brought up by his mother. You remember? You remember that, that uh, uh, when she put him in the, in the, in the river and uh, her, his sister went and found somebody nursing him, it was his mother. Do you know that she's taught him the ways of what's supposed to happen. And you know he was more than eight days old. You know he got circumcised. You know he knows. Why didn't he follow that? Why didn't he follow that was already he knows? It's part of his purpose. We need to know what God purpose for our lives because it, it, it can mean the difference between success and failure. Even though Moses could say, God, I'm leaving, you know, a safe place. I'm going back to Egypt. I don't know what's happening. You said Pharaoh died, but that's the thing. there's another Pharaoh. Somebody going to be still be there. God, you know, you're sending me into, you know, to, to the wolves. I'm doing this thing, and here you're going you're gonna to get all upset over a little circumcision. Does God think it's little? No, he doesn't think it's little. So when you're thinking about your purpose that God has for your life, you have to think about what has God already said to you that you already know that you should be doing. Let's look a little further at what we've already read and let's think about it a little bit. Now, Zephora, do you think it's possible that Moses could have told his wife, hey, you know, we need to circumcise the son because that I, I, I was told that I was told that and and we need to do this thing but see she was a Midian she didn't know all that because she was not you know a Jew she didn't know all that you know she, she was not from uh, you know God's chosen so how do you think she probably responded he said cut the foreskin of my little baby eight day no we're not doing that uh uh-uh, no we're not doing that Mo- look wife we got to do this thing now uh, we got to go and do something. We're not doing it. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm your wife. Do you want a wife? You're not doing it. Do you think it's possible that sometimes we can not follow the lead that God has given us to follow, ladies, and maybe not be used by God to help that man succeed like he should succeed? Is it possible? Let's, let's go to chapter 18. And let's look there and see. Because Zephora, she was pretty tough. 
uh, she said that he had seven daughters, and they were, you know, coming watering the sheep and all those type of things. So, um, and Moses uh, was given one of the daughters, Zephora, so we know she's pretty tough. What does God say about Zephora? What type of woman was she? Verse 1. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Moses' wife, Zephora, after he had sent her away. Oh, okay. Now this is a part we didn't read over here because it wasn't written over in Exodus chapter 4 after she threw the foreskin at them, uh, uh, at his feet after she said that you know a uh, uh, bloody bridegroom you are he sent her back to her father sent the two sons back do you think that's God's, was God's will for that to happen? do you think that, that that woman of God had gifts and talents that can help that man uh, encourage that man and be more than what uh, uh, wh- what he would be without her? What do you think? Every man, if you're married, is going to be better off with that wife than you'll be without that wife. Because that wife has gifts and talents that you don't have. And she's going to help you fulfill God's purpose and destiny for your life. But you have to be in agreement. You have to know God's purpose. So the man has to know God's purpose. He has to reveal that purpose to his wife. And then the wife and the husband, now they're together fulfilling God's purpose for their life. The children, they are led into that same purpose. Now the whole family is fulfilling the purpose of God. They know the purpose of God, and they're moving and flowing in it. But we have here a situation where, in verse 3 it says, And her two sons, of whom one was named uh, Jersom and for Moses said, I have, born, I have been a sojourner in a, in a foreign land. The other was named Elizer. And he said, The God of my father is my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where he was camped at the Mount of God. He sent word to Moses I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Then Moses went out to greet his father-in-law, and he bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other their welfare and went to the tent. Moses told his father-in-law all that God had been doing. Jethro rejoiced in verse 9, rejoiced over the goodness of God. In 10, Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord has delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians. Uh, it just goes on down. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering. They just had a good time feasting. Where's the four in this thing? You go all the way down, verse 12. Where is the four? Did he ever, did he ever greet her and kiss her? Did he ever, you know, uh, catch up with all the things that's been going? What happened? You don't hear much at all about the four. Why? That's something to meditate on. You got to know God's purposes for your life. And you got to share that. Men of God, let me tell you something. Every man in here, you need to know that God's purpose for your life. Don't even try. Think of getting married and don't know your purpose. Don't think about it. 
how in the world are you going to lead somebody uh, into a purpose to help you if you don't know your purpose? It won't happen. The blind can't lead the blind. Okay? Parents, you need to, you need to uh, reveal to your children what the purposes of God is for that family because they are part of that family. They are a part and they're supposed to be uh, working with you as a team fulfilling God's purposes for that family. When families come into the church, they are supposed to be asking, okay, what's the purpose? You know, because we need to rally around with the, with the people that God has put here to help move this church from where it is to where God wants it to be. You got to have a purpose. So what's the purpose? So we can move this thing and let it flow, flow really good. What's the purpose? What's the plan? But if, if families don't have a purpose, and they, and their, their children don't know a purpose, then, of course, we say, we see that sometimes they don't have some control, they lose restraint, and so therefore, the, the family can be a mess, then you come into church, if every family is a mess, they don't know purposes, they don't look, they're not looking for the, the church to have a purpose, and if it does have a purpose, they're not interested in it because they're not used to fulfilling God's purpose for their lives. Today, God is saying, do you know your purpose? Because he wants to start with in each individual. Do you know your purpose? If you know your purpose, then reveal that purpose to everybody that God has put with you. And then you'll move and flow together to fulfill God's purpose. When you come into the church, then you join hands with those who God has put in leadership in the church to say, okay, now, what's the purpose? What are we to do so we can do it? That's what we're all supposed to be doing. And we'll flow and move and we'll achieve what God wants to do. I'm not talking about world success. Because we can have the world success without having God's success. So what appears to be a great family, a great individual, a great church might not be. Because it all depends upon God. He's the only one who knows. Because he's the only one who knows the purpose. Teamwork is needed. It's needed. Let's look at um, Exodus 18, 13. Now the next day, let me kind of summarize this, this part. Next day, Jethro sees Moses. Moses goes out to do his duty. He stands and, and he's before the people. The people lined up and they, they got all these problems that they want Moses to solve. So Moses is there. He's there from morning to night. And Jethro just sitting there looking. He said, my goodness gracious, I haven't had any time to spend my son-in-law here. And Moses, what are you doing? You're going to wear yourself out and the people out. He said, I don't have anybody else to help me. Well, Moses, this is what God is asking you to do. God is asking you and telling you, no matter of fact, it's a command. You, this is what God wants you to do. Look at verse 20. He wants you to teach people the statutes and the laws, make known to them the way in which they are to walk and to, and to work, and select out from the people... Able men who fear God, men of truth, 
men who hate dishonesty, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every minor dispute they uh, would do themselves, every major dispute, then you handle, and it's going to go well for you, Moses. This is what is going to happen. Then you, you can run the marathon. You're going to endure if you do that. Now that becomes uh, become a problem because now Moses is going to have to teach somebody what he knows. And he's going to have to not now try to do everything himself. Do you think that's the way it's supposed to be in a family? Absolutely. Absolutely. If the man leaves the wife to do everything, she's going to have a heavy burden on her. Right? She's got to, she got to pay the bills. She got to, you know, go to the PTA. She got to go to teachers to talk, talk about the kids. She got to do this. She got to do that. She got to do this. What I got to do this. And the man is somewhere. And he said, well, I'm working. I'm, you know, I was, you know, I, I'm working. You know, I provide for you. And that's enough. No, that's not enough. That's not enough. You're supposed to be working and doing and delegating, but you're responsible because you're supposed to be before God. See, Moses had to be before God. If Moses not before God, Moses don't, don't have a clue. He wouldn't have a clue on where to lead anybody. And so, therefore, uh, the, the, every husband, every male need to practice, even if not married, be before God. Have an intimate relationship with, before God, you know, with him so that you can... Uh, hear the voice of God so you can lead somebody, whoever God puts you with. When you get a wife, uh, you, then you can lead her because you're hearing from God. You delegate so you can be before God. You don't delegate so you can, you know, just sit and watch TV, you know, or go out and play with the boys, you know. You don't do that. You delegate so you can, you can have more time to see God. That's very important. When, when a family, when kids see a man seeking God, they know when a man says something, even if they don't like it, they, they would agree with it. They would do it because they know that they, he's a man of prayer. He's trying to seek God. He's trying to do the best they can. In the church, should it be any different? Should it be that, that I would have to do everything, or the three elders, we have to do everything? Should it be other, uh, should this principle take hold on every place? Whether it be jobs, whether it be church, whether it be any business, I don't care what it is, shouldn't it be the same thing? Delegation should take place. People are supposed to be before God. Is that correct? Well then, what we have to do as a congregation then, is that, and as a family, we have to realize that if the man is before God, then he might not be able to wash dishes. So maybe somebody else might have to wash dishes so he can be before God. If it's a single parent home, then the kids got to realize that mom need to be before God to find out what, how to lead us. So we need to take some responsibility off her so she can be before God. Right? If, you, if you're married, your wife need to be before God so she can be a proper helper for you. And, and it's not a good thing, man, if you go to work, come home, your wife cooking, she has to clean up, she has to, uh, uh, you know, homework for the kids, she has to do all that stuff, and she doesn't have time to be before God. How do you expect your wife to give you godly counsel when she's not before God? 
So men need to make sure their wives are having quiet time before God. It's your responsibility to, find, to do that. And it's a sad thing when in, in, in today's time when, when both people work and then the lady's too tired to do anything but to work, keep the kids, fix dinner. She don't have time before, before God. And the man expect her to help him. No, no, no. She can't. She's, help, she's doing all she can. All she can. I'm going to show you the, the people who we're trying to work with. And you, you, you know the elders. You know Elder Sam, Elder John. Elder John, he, he's in, um, in Pittsburgh. Uh, they gave, gave a surprise birthday party for his mother. And so uh, he's there. But the, uh, the men that met with me last night around the table, we have a round table. We call it, you know, they're knights. They're knights, okay? And they're around the round table. You know, they have their swords, you know, uh, you know these swords. And they're supposed, we're trying to work with them. Would you all come up here and stand so I can see, so the congregation can see you all, who we're working with, okay? And, and I gave them some responsibility last night. We, we took the, the directory and went down the directory and we said, okay, now, uh, it's not good for me to have to meet with every single person, call everybody. You know, I was talking to one person uh, and they said, uh, you didn't even visit me in the hospital, you know. I paid my tithes, you, know, you didn't even come. I said, <laughs> you didn't come? I sent, you know, Joe Blow over there. I sent Susie and Doug over there. You sent them? Yes, I sent them. Well, I didn't know that. If I would have known that, then it would change the way we, we thought, you know. Wait a minute. How do you expect me to call every single person? Do you expect me to go visit every person? Do you expect me to counsel every single person? And still be before God and have something intelligent to give you on Sunday morning. You know. It won't happen. It won't happen. So we divided the things up and we said, okay, um, here's a person right here. Who's got this person? Who, 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 would, take, who would take responsibility? I'm delegating to take this person. So, you know, um, the elders got people already. We know they got people. I got people. So gave, each one of them took somebody. So if these people call you, if they email you, they're doing it because they're trying to take the load off the elders. Okay? And they're about taking the load off me. Because the elders trying to take the load off me. Okay? So don't, don't, don't say, why are you calling me? I don't even know you. You know? <laughs> you haven't spent any time with me. You know? I'd rather have Elder Sam visit me. Elder Sam can't visit everybody and, and run an adult Bible school and, and work with the truth project to do. He can't do all that stuff, you know? He, can, he just can't do it. So we're delegating. So we, we all cooperate with the scripture. It is not good for me to wear out and for the elders to wear out and for you to wear out. You know? Will you accept the delegated authority? I hear half of you. Will you accept the delegated authority? Okay. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay. We have others that will... Uh, working well, but some uh, uh, they they out of town, different things like that. Working uh, uh, like uh, Virgil, 
Uh, he, he's working. He was there last night. He had to go to work. Uh, he didn't want to come, but I made him come. And, and he, he, he said, I got to go to work at 1030, you know. Tough. Suck it up. You know? <laughs> but uh, but he, he, he's probably sleeping there because he got off work this morning, you know. Um, but we have other people who are working and things like that. But we're going we're gonna to delegate this thing to you. So if you have a, a, a situation, then call one of these men and, and uh, let them know what's happening. If you are sick, if somebody has surgery or something like that, go in the hospital, call one of these men. And if you call one of them uh, and they come, then the church has come. Do you hear what I'm saying? The church has come. Don't expect to see Elder John just because you like Elder John and your kids play with his kids and you want him to come. He might not be able to come because you might not be assigned to him. You, you might be assigned to one of these men up here, somebody else. Somebody will visit you. Somebody will talk to you. You can talk to somebody if you just let somebody know. Don't expect us to be able to um, say, well, I know sister so-and-so, I know brother so-and-so, they're in the hospital. Uh, how do you know it? Uh, just by divine revelation, you know? Don't expect that to happen. It's best that you pick up a phone or ask somebody to pick up a phone and have somebody pray for you, pray for you. okay? That's very important because we, don't, we won't know. And if we don't know, we cannot pray. We, if we don't know, we can't send somebody, Okay? That's very important for you know. We have a prayer chain. We'd like to pray for you, but if the prayer chain, chain don't know, they can't pray for you. So call somebody. And don't get upset uh, with somebody because they're not home and they're supposed to be on a prayer chain because a lot of the women work. You know, We try to choose the ones who are not working, and we need other people to be on a prayer chain who, who are available, who are not working, who can, who can pray at a, a drop of a hat because if, if the ambulance come get somebody because they just got an... Uh, 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 catastrophe or something like that surely you want somebody to pray for you surely you don't want to get an answer machine you know so it's best that uh, you know if anybody who's not working see Minerva and say hey I want to be on a prayer chain and if you know you're not going to pray then see Minerva and say look you know I'm not available to be on a prayer chain I work and, and I'm really not going to be able to pray till I get home and, and get it well somebody could have uh, uh, been saved from things by the time you get home from morning to night, okay? That's very important. God has a plan. He has a purpose for our lives. And we need to know that purpose. And in this church, our vision, you should know the vision. The vision is to change lives. The vision is to change lives and make connections. The vision is to change lives, make connections, and build bridges. That's the vision. The purposes, we have five purposes, and those purposes are the same, has been the same, has stay the same. Basically, it is what you do every single time you come to church, we're going to worship. Oh, we're going to worship. We're going to worship. And that's, that's one of the purposes of every church, going to worship. They're going to have discipleship, they're going to have fellowship, and they're going to have service. Somebody going to serve. You have people that give you some programs and things like Have people serving on the worship team, people serving on the sound system. It's serving. That's, that's ministry. You're going to have missions going on. Whether it's overseas missions, whether it be um, whether it be missions here right across the street in your house. Evangelism going to go on. Those are purposes. So where are we going in this body? If we're not changing lives, there's no need to be having church. There's no need for a good message. We all hear, hear enough good messages that we don't need to hear not one more good message. We need our lives changed.
That's what we need. And I have a, a person I want to um, give a testimony of a changed life. Um, Baron, come up, uh, would you please? We could have many people uh, giving testimonies about changed lives. Um, well, not many, a lot. And and the thing is that that I need to know, somebody need to know what God is doing in your life to change your life. Because God wants changed lives. And Baron and his family, they've been in the church for about... Uh, a little over a year. You know his thing. Uh, you're graduated. Little over, I can hold the mic now? Not really. <laughs> 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 not really, brother. <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, uh, when when Barry came, uh, he's been in church, you know, a good part of his life and things like that. Uh, but this this church, you need to know that this church is has a purpose and is different from some other churches. We are in some other churches, they are very very strong in areas that we are very very weak in, and so therefore we are not going to be able to fulfill uh, every purpose you think we need to be fulfilling. We have to fulfill what God says fulfill. Okay? So we can't have, uh, if somebody said, well, I want to be in a church that, man, they are, they are more mission-minded. Well, uh, GCI is mission-minded. We have people on the mission field. Even today, we have people out there. Uh, Clem Ferris and, and uh, 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 some of the other prophets, they are over there now, right now in, in Western Europe, they're doing things. Okay? Uh, we got people who want to go on the mission field. We got all that stuff going on. But this church is more geared to discipleship than it is evangelism. And some of you should know that by now. Even though we got to evangelize. This church is more geared towards um, discipleship than it is fellowship. You should know that by now. Okay? Even though we love fellowship, we love missions, we love ministry, we love worship. Obviously we do. Uh, but we are more more God has gifted us to do disciple work. So when Barry came, the first thing we're going to do is work on changing some lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. So share with the people some of the things that God has done sure. in your Once life. We, uh, we, we first started coming to the church, the uh, pastor Minerva started working with me and my wife, um, which was very odd for me because it had never happened before. I'd been within a church body for probably eight years. It was a regular Baptist church. And it was it was one of the things that I lacked, and we were we were we were kind of starving for is some discipleship, somebody to pour into our lives, you know what God was saying and what God was doing with them through their lives. And it's one thing to hear God's word and to be able to read God's word, and it's powerful. It says it's living, it's breathing, but at the same time, we've got to see it lived out. You know, we've got to see it applied in our lives, or it doesn't mean anything to us. You know, so it's it's amazing that that Pastor Minerva would take their time. I mean, they were meeting with us once a week for the longest time. And it became a great deal. I, initially, for me, I felt all kinds of pressure. I was like, why in the world are you working on me so hard? You know, every time it was about me and what I needed to change. At least that's the way I saw it. And it, it just it wore me out. And I finally got to the point where I said, change something about her. Don't work on me so much, you know. But, I mean, you know, he was using what he knew from his experience to be able to mold and modify me. I'm, in the, I'm the one in control. I'm the head of household. I'm the one that has to change first before anybody else is going to change. Um, so it was wonderful to see that happen, and and that's what I, we were we were looking for. I mean, uh, the next thing, the next step is for us to take that what somebody has poured into us. And I know you've seen the example before of glasses, and it says, "My cup filleth over." You know, God is supposed to fill us up, or we're supposed to 
take that and it's supposed to run over into the next person, the next person that we can touch. Minerva and Pastor can't touch the same people that I can touch in my life. You know, there may even be people within this body that I can touch that they can't touch in the same way. You know, so I've got to take what they poured into me and I've got to let that overflow into someone else. And then that's supposed to continue on. You know, it's kind of that pyramid thing, you know, with Amway and all that. But then, no. You keep pouring it out, you know, and you expose people at work to, to what's been poured into you. You know, and, and that's one of the things that we have to do. And I think that's one of the things this body is called to, is to be able to take that because our leader, our pastor, has that heart. And we model our hearts after his. You know, that's what draws us into this body. Um, I was touched a whole lot by what... Um, what was said this morning about the family outreach, um, and I, I did. And I have to take use the pastor for this, and I've got a little electronic gizmo here, so forgive me. This is my Bible right now. But uh, I was um, when when you were talking this morning about getting together as a family and as a body, and I, one of the things that pastors poured into me, and I'm not very good at it yet. But everything that I do, there's certain scriptures that I remember, but I remember them the way I remember them. You know, and, and God's word speaks a whole lot stronger than anything that I can say or even if I can repeat it. Um, so I think one of the things God is calling us to here, and I kind of thought of this analogy. Um, um, I don't know if y'all ever, I know when I was younger, my mom used to buy us jeans, new jeans. You know, not these stonewashed jeans you get right now. You know, these were new jeans. I and mean, they were so stiff they'd stand on their own, you know. <laughs> so you get these new jeans and you'd have to break them in. You'd have to wear them in, you know. And that's kind of what I feel about this building that we're in they're like a new pair of jeans for us some of us are walking around stiff you know we need to break this thing in we need to not that we need to you know go against the what they've asked us to do here but we need to loosen up you know we need to wear this place in we need to make it our home because this is where we're at that's just something on a sidebar but um i was uh called to matt uh, mark three and it got, starts the, the main part of it is 33 and what pastor poured into me was to refer back to scripture where is that in scripture where is it at and this thing resounded to me this morning and what it said is it was jesus and he was talking about there were uh, it said that the multitude was sitting around him and they said look your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you but he answered them saying who is my mother or my brothers and he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said here are my mother and my brothers for whosoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. I mean, think about what took place in this set of verses. I mean, here's his mother and brother standing outside. And he's reflecting on the people that do the will of God as his mother and brother. I mean, we say it offhandedly, you're my brother, you're my sister. You know, do we really mean that? And I think we need to, as a congregation, as a body, we need to pour into these outreaches. We need to know who these people are. I mean, y'all may know my name, you may not know my name. But I think we should. We're a small enough body. We should know each one intricately, you know, and we have to reach out. There's going to be certain people that we feel drawn to. We need to reach out to those people. There's certain people that we haven't seen since we moved this church building. We need to reach out to those people, find out where they're at, pour into their lives. We need to do that. So those are some things that I've been taught since I've been here and uh, been discipled and, and passed out to me. And I haven't been doing very good myself, so... I need you guys to lift me up. I need to do better, and I think we all can do better. Thanks, God. Thank you, Ryan. Here's this closing prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that, that, that we thank you that you, God, have a purpose. You have a plan for our lives, Father. Our plan for our marriages, plan for our families, 
plan for the church, Lord. We ask you, Father, to reveal more and more of your purpose for us and help us to walk in that which we already know that we should be doing, Lord. Um, we don't need to know a whole lot more uh, until we start doing what we already know to do. Help us to do what we know to do. Father, we're asking as anyone here today that if they haven't given their lives to Jesus Christ, they, they won't know their purpose. They, if they think they have a purpose, it's going to be the wrong purpose because it's not going to be a purpose uh, that you have birthed in them because they're not yours yet. If there's anyone here that's not yet saved, if there's anyone here that you said today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand and we'll pray for you. Anyone here in that, it's like that. If there's anyone here today, and let me have the prayer team come up. Anyone here today that, you know, you say, well, I haven't been walking the way I should be walking. And today, I want to fulfill the purpose God has for my life. And one purpose is to have an intimate relationship with Him, which I know I have been slack at. If there's anyone like that today, raise your hand and we'll pray for you. Anyone like that today? There's anyone...